It is so good to be with you this morning. Um, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We have a little inside joke at uh, the intercessors call we do on a weekly basis. Uh, Chanel will say, praise the Lord. And we all had different responses. We had to correct ourselves. When I say praise the Lord, you say, praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. Let's do it one more time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So, uh, you know, if you've been here for the last few Sundays, you've uh, witnessed our senior pastor, Pastor Sonny, giving an amazing word. Um, she's been preaching on not selling your birthright. Um, she's also been preaching on um, treasuring the gift that the Lord has for you. And uh, how many of you know the Lord has prepared gifts for you this morning? Amen. That our service to the Lord, we're not just serving a God who doesn't care, thank you, and who doesn't see, but he actually has something in store for you. And so if you haven't listened to those messages, I would encourage you, go back and dial them up. They will bless your soul. Uh, They've been blessing me. And uh, what I'm going to be talking about this morning thematically is right in the line, right in the vein of what P.S. has been speaking about. Say fixation. Fixation. We're going to be talking about fixation. The title of this message is Fixation finishing well. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews. So let's go to Hebrews 12 for a moment. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews 12, verse 1. We're going to journey through a bit of scripture. All right. So Hebrews 12, verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, say throw off, off. everything that hinders you can, yeah, you can, you can pause right there. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Say perseverance. perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Amen. Amen. There's four things that are important in this passage of text. The first thing is cloud of witnesses. Who are the cloud of witnesses? I've been asking myself this since um, I used to go to uh, Sunday school. I say, who's the cloud of witnesses? And if you look at Hebrews 11, they're actually defined there. This is like the faith hall of fame. These are the ancients of days that have gone before us, that have, uh, have, have sowed it faithfully to the Lord and have been working faithfully to, uh, to pursue him. And it talks about people like Abel, like Enoch, uh, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, those that have, have possessed faith, but put it into action. The second thing that we notice in this scripture is there is a race, say a race. a race. And there's a race that says that God has predestined, pre-marked a race that you would run. He has considered your life, known you from the womb, and he has apportioned a work for you to do. The third thing is there are sins that hinder us, say sin. There are things that try to easily entangle us. As you're pursuing your race, there is going to be opposition. There is going to be things that try to get you off track. And the fourth thing is this. The only way for us to, do, to one, remember the cloud of witnesses that it talks about in Hebrews 11, those that had faith that went before us. Two, to stay the course on the race that Jesus, our pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, set out before us. And three, throw off entanglements and sin that hindrances us is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Say fix. Fix. The scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is both the pioneer, meaning he was the first one. He is king. And then it says this, he is the perfecter. He is Lord. He is God. He is the righteous one of our faith. 
and what we profess. Now, I want to bring you guys into some insider baseball. Um, you know, this week, like for the last couple weeks, I have been struggling with distraction. Distraction. And if, you, if you're anything like me, if you've been going through what I've been going through, there is so much happening in the world, right? You turn on the news. Man, I thought COVID was over with. I'm like, hold on. Is this a, re, a, re, a rerun? A remake? The remix? You know, you turn on the news, you see wars happening across, and it's just so much going on that it can cause you at times to feel a little discouraged, a little distracted. And so I was praying, I was preparing for this message, and I was like, God, what do you want to do this morning? What do you want to tell your people this morning? And what I feel like the Lord wants to tell you this morning is to fix your eyes on him. You see, whenever we feel tired and we feel weary, you know what naturally happens? We start looking for external circumstances to blame. We say, Lord, if my wife would just be a better communicator, everything would be better, right? If my wife would stop buying bread, I would lose a little bit more weight, right? If they would just value me a little bit more at work, hopefully they would see that I'm worthy for a promotion. And what happens is natural human tendency is we look externally for the source of our solution. But see, I actually think it's more simpler than that. I think the Lord is saying, if you fix your eyes on me, I will take care of everything else that concerns you. That almost feels offensive, does it? But let me tell you, what does Matthew 6.33 say? Matthew 6.33 says this. It says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, it will be given to you as well. Right. And so it's actually quite simple. Right. But we make it so complicated because ultimately it's just a slight shift of our gaze. Right. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I don't have enough strength to do it anymore. I don't have gas. And I want to explore what this word fixation means. Again, say it again with me. Fixation. Fixation. Here's the definition. The definition is fixation is an obsessive interest in or feeling about someone or something. And the second definition is, it is the action of making something firm, stable, fixed, fixation. And let me be honest with you, I'm not a master of this. Uh, I have not perfected this. Actually, this is something that I feel that God is continually calling me and calling us as a body back towards this place of fixation. Because it is in this place, when we see Jesus rightly, We see him for who he is, and we firmly believe all that he can do. That is the place where we receive strength. That is the place where we receive our source of life. And that is the place, ultimately, where we receive vision. Say vision. 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 And so if you may be struggling today with fixation, if you may be struggling today in 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 your life of what's going on, I want you to consider these things. And so let's look at... What does a lack of fixation cause, right? What, what, is, what makes it a lot simpler? Sometimes a lack of fixation can be hard to spot. You know, have you ever gotten uh, your car aligned before? Man, alignments are interesting, right? Because it can be the smallest little screw, right? You're driving down the road, all of a sudden you're going left. You're like, man, Lord, what's going on, right? It's because you have an alignment issue. But when you get that small thing fixed, everything else is in, is in motion. Everything else is, is aligned. But ultimately, what happens when an alignment is not dealt with, it can lead to other problems. You know that? Like sometimes it can cause your, um, I'm, I'm struggling with my car terminology here, but like your 
What is the, the axle? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sister. It can cause your axles to be bent out of place. Or other times it can cause your, your wheels to wobble, right? But it all started with the small, slight turn of a screw that was off that can really cause issues. Let's look at a scripture. Uh, let's look at a theme present in scripture where we have this, uh, this theme of fixation, this theme of distraction. If you could turn your Bibles with me to Luke verse 10. Uh, and 38. Give me a hallelujah when you're there. Anybody there? Hallelujah. Almost, not yet. Uh, it's Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, brother. So what's happening here is uh, this is the story of Mary and Martha. Right. So let me just paint the picture for you and then we'll get into some scripture. So Jesus and the disciples, they're on their way. Right. And they come to this village and they encounter this woman and her name is Martha. Martha is excited that Jesus and the disciples are there. So what does she do? She decides to open up her home and to be hospitable. So Martha had a sister also named Mary. When Jesus entered the house, the disciples are sitting down at the table. Right. And as any good host would do, Martha, she starts getting ready. So she's going in the fridge. She's finding her choice meats. She's turning on her Spotify, getting the jazz music just right. She's making sure that the light is coming in just nice. That golden hour that's happening is coming into her home. She has her oil diffuser popping. She's making sure everything is good. Right. She's setting the stage. She's doing exactly what any host would do if you're expecting guests. And so all these things are happening. She's trying to make sure that Jesus and the disciples feel welcome. And so then there's her sister, Mary. And as Jesus sits down at the table, Mary actually has a quite different response than Martha. Mary, she gathers her her dress and she comes down and she sits at the feet of Jesus. Awkwardly, right? So just picture this in your mind if you could for a second. Martha's running around. She's doing everything that needs to happen. And Mary... Like a lazy sister, at least that's the perception, she sits at Jesus' feet, right? And what's happening at this moment is all the disciples are wondering, like, what is going on? Why is this woman sitting so close to Jesus? And to give you context, the feet in this region, the feet were no bueno, right? The feet were the most detestable thing on the human body. Let me tell you why. Because back in the day, Tesla didn't exist. Did you know that? They didn't have Teslas back then. Matter of fact, they didn't even have Nikes. They're walking through from town to town. Their feet are clocking miles. I mean, bunions, lacerations, rashes, and the feet are dirty. But Mary decides that this was the place that she wanted to be positioned over Jesus. Before I go any further, let me just tell you this. Jesus values your positioning over your performance. A lot of times... When it comes to serving the Lord, for whatever reason, we can get confused and we can think that the Lord values our performance rather than the posturing of our heart. Jesus will always value your positioning over your performance. And if you look at it, it's actually your positioning that allows you to enter into the work that Jesus has apportioned you. Remember in Hebrews 12, it says this. It says he has already set out the race for us. There's not much more we need to do except position ourselves. Let's continue with the story. So Martha's making sure the house is on fleek, right? She's making sure everything is clean. And 
you know, there's two depictions of this in Scripture. One, there's, there's the version in Luke that we're going through right now, but there's also a version in Mark 14. And it says that Martha, Mary, what she did, she actually did something extraordinary. And she did something that caused Jesus to actually pause. So this is what happens. The disciples are sitting down at the table. Jesus sits down. Mary sits down at Jesus' feet. And then what she does is she gets up, she goes to a closet, and she pulls out this pint of what, what it's called nard, which is fine oil. And I can just imagine that this oil was something that had been saved up for generations throughout her family. It says that this oil was worth years of wages, and it smelled beautiful, and it was adorned. It was in this nice jar, top shelf, in the closet, family heirloom. And probably something that Mary and Martha's uh, parents had saved for them, maybe for their day of marriage, maybe for their time when they're going to college or whatever the education system was back then. But Mary takes this thing, the most precious thing in the house, and she comes before Jesus's feet and she breaks it on his feet. And she allows that perfume to fill the room and she wipes his feet with her hair and she's massaging his cows with the oil as the disciples are watching and they're saying, what is going on? What is happening? And it's so, so interesting that they get outraged. They are, they're in an uproar. They're saying, this could have been given to the poor. Why did you do this thing? And Jesus says this. He says, Mary actually chose the better place than Martha. Let's look at verse 40. Verse 40 says this. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus responds, full of confidence and grace, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. She was fixed. You know, I didn't tell Pastor Chinway what I was preaching on. It's just so interesting. We're singing these songs of waiting on the Lord, being fixed on his beauty, fixed on his presence, because ultimately that is the place that God desires for us to be. That is where God does that. That is where you have fullness of life. That is where you have fullness of vision. That is where you have fullness of joy. And what happens is the world will come and give you false distractions to try to make you feel like you can do it outside of yourself. The interesting thing about this story is Martha was doing something good. The distractions are not always uh, uh, as like debauchery. They're not always these large, lofty sins that we think about. Sometimes the distraction is steeped in busyness, right? You know what's interesting? You could come to church every single Sunday. You could be serving every single Sunday. You could be given to the poor, raising your hands, and still be misaligned with the Spirit of God. Isn't that interesting? And what it does, it shows us that God is not so uh, uh, involved, he's not so focused on the externalities, but what he's actually looking at is our positioning, right? Because ultimately that's the place where you're able to be sustained. And my sense this morning is we need to be sustained by the hand of the Lord. We need to realign ourselves, reposition ourselves to fix our eyes and to fix our gaze on Jesus again. Because that is the place, that way, that's where he's most concerned about us this morning. And you know, what, what is the promise connected to all of this, right? In Psalms 27, 
similar to what we're singing this morning, uh, David says this. He says, I, my prayer is this, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord, gaze upon his beauty in his temple, in the house of the Lord. This is connected to a promise. In uh, Matthew, I believe, chapter 21, Jesus tells his disciples this as he's going away. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. As he's leaving, as he's preparing the disciples. So what is Jesus actually doing? He's saying this. I'm going to make it very simple. Fix your eyes on me. Stay connected. And at the end, the inheritance is you get to be with me forever. And and not only that, he's saying, I have gone and prepared a place for you, for you, personal for you. And so when you think about what does it mean to actually follow Christ, we're not just blindly following God in some simulation. But actually what we're doing is when we have faith in the Lord, what we're actually saying is, God, I believe that you have positioned a place for me within your house. To take it a little bit further, we're saying, God, I believe everything that you have said and that you say about me. The strongest, the strongest place of faith is when you fully believe everything that the Lord has said and when you fully believe everything that the Lord has said concerning you. It's easy for us to believe things that God says concerning other people. But when it comes to us, that's where we sometimes doubt. That's where we sometimes say, ah, God, maybe not today. But God wants to wake us up this morning to remind us that his promises are both yes and amen. Amen. That when you fix your eyes on him, when we forgo being distracted and being busy and being tossed to and fro, when we allow ourselves to be positioned at his feet, that's actually the place where we have success. That's actually the place where we have strength. Amen? Amen. Amen. So fixation helps us to focus on one thing. When we take stock of our lives, uh, we, many of us can fall into the Martha camp, right? Um, I've been a good husband. I've been a good wife. I've done all the right things. I feel like I should be receiving more. And the interesting thing is, remember what Martha told Jesus? She said, Jesus, tell her to help me. And now this is very interesting. A lot of times when we go through hardship, our prayer to Lord is what? Lord, help me, right? Lord, help me from what I'm going through. And that's, it. that's interesting, right? Because Martha, she was doing something that she thought was best to do in the moment. Mary was doing something that the Spirit of the Lord had given her insight of what was best to do in the moment. Whenever we ask for help from the Lord, a lot of times it can be of things that we want to accomplish as opposed to things that God wants to do. But here's the thing. Instead of asking for help, what I feel like the Lord is asking us to do is he's asking us to surrender, right? Instead of saying, Lord, help me do this thing, he's saying, I'm looking for you to surrender. I'm looking for you to lay it down. I'm looking for you to come low so that I can entrust myself into you, so that you can believe in me, so that you can see all the amazing things that I desire to do through your life. Amen? So this means fixate yourself on Jesus and he will take care of the rest. Jesus, the one that makes sure that the flowers are closed, the, ones that make, the one that makes sure that the, the grass is taken care of, that the birds are fed, that Jesus is the same Jesus that cares for you and I, is the same Jesus that cares to entrust himself into you and me. He understands. In Hebrews 12, 2, it gives us the qualifier. It says the reason why we can fixate ourselves on Jesus 
was because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has been through it. He is someone we can acquaint ourselves with. Amen? Amen. 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 So there's something deeper that God is looking after, right? More than just our service. He wants our full attention. He wants our faculties. He wants it all. Remember in Hebrews 12, too, it provides the qualifier of who God is and why we should fix our, fixate ourselves on him. One, because he's, the, he's perfect. And two, because he's endured. So the underlying concept of fixation is this. Where our eyes go, our body follows. What you look at, you become. What you are focused on will lead the direction of your life. And I, I just want to be, us to be very careful because a lot of times, busyness, sometimes we can equate it with um, faith, right? I'm just doing, I'm moving, I'm a locomotion. But I think it's, it's, it's kind of found in the quietness of your habits. It's found in the quietness of your discipleship. It's found in the quietness of your devotion, of positioning yourself. And I'm, I'm giving this message because this is something that I need to hear as well. You know, I think it's easy for us to get into the motions, right? Especially whenever things start raging around us of, all right, I'm coming to church. All right, I'm, my finances are good. I'm taking care of my body. Everything is good, right? And, and I think what God is looking for is something that's actually more deeper, more steeped in him, which is focus, fixation on him. And so he's not looking for you to lock yourself in the room for 23 out of 24 hours of the day for devotion. Um, for most of us, it's not that. He's not even looking for everyone here to plant a church. Uh, when you hear messages like this, we try to go on thinking that we can be strong ourselves and do it to fixate. And so let's look at Moses, actually, in the, fi- in the fire of the burning bush in Exodus 3 to see what this looks like. So if we can go to Exodus 3. It says this, Moses was taking care of some cows. Say cows, y'all. For his father-in-law. Moses, was he's a good man. I don't know if I would take care of cows for my father-in-law, Lord. Uh, he, I love my father-in-law. Uh, he approaches a mountain. And it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames. So just take this in for a moment. Moses is out there, you know, taking care of the vacas, taking care of the cows. And then this, there's this bush that an angel of the Lord descended on and starts to burn, but it wasn't consumed. And this catches Moses' Moses's attention. So let's pick it up in verse 4, Exodus 3, 4. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. When I read this, my heart began to break. The reason why is when we think about fixation, a lot of us think that it's this pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just get it right. Just focus it on the Lord. But Exodus 3 shows me something different. It says, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over. In other translations, it says, when Moses had turned his face towards the bush, then the Lord yells, exclamation point, Moses, Moses. And Moses responds, here I am. When it comes to fixating and realigning ourselves with the Lord, it's, it's very simple. He's not looking for you to move three cars. He's not looking for you to move mountains. He's not looking for you to be uh, all together. He's just looking for you to turn. The word repentance, it means just to turn yourself. A lot of us this morning, we need to turn back to the Lord. We need to turn. And then when you turn, he's going to say, hey, Andrew, Andrew, Justin, Stephanie, I see you. Here I am. Here I am, says the Lord. And the way the Lord responds to Moses 
is so kind. I'm not going to read it all for you, but if you have time, I would encourage you to go back. It's verse 7 through 10. He says, he says three, these four things. He says, I see what you're going through, what the people of Israel have been going through. The second thing he says is, I've come down in response to what I've seen to rescue you. And then the third thing he says is, I've heard their cries. I've heard their prayer. And the fourth thing he says, Moses, now I'm going to send you. Now you go. So by this simple action of Moses deciding to turn towards the Lord, he, he not only encounters the Lord, but the Lord goes over. He says, I've seen it. I've seen what you're going through. A lot of us think that God doesn't see what we're going through. God sees it. He sees it. He knows it. But a lot of times he's there waiting as a faithful father. He's saying, if, if Stephanie would just turn towards me, if she would just turn her gaze, if she would just stop trying to prepare the steak and put on the Sonos and get everything ready and just sit at my feet, I'll call to her. I'll call her to myself. Scripture says this. It says when we pursue the Lord, when we walk towards him, you know what it says? It says he's actually coming towards us. This is not this. This is not this relationship when we're just kind of walking towards the Lord and he's a moving target. No, it says he's actually running towards you. He's running towards you. And so this morning, my question to you is, will you turn your face towards him this morning? Will you allow all the distractions? Forget what's happening in the market. The market is going to be the market. Forget what's happening in the world. The Lord has your family. The Lord has your marriage. But what he's asking you this morning is, will you turn to me so I can call you to myself? So I can call your name because I've heard your cry. I've seen what you've gone through. And now I'm coming to rescue you, says the Lord. There's something that moves that move that moves God's heart. And we can see it symbolic in scripture. You know, whenever Jesus sat at Mary's feet, he told his disciples this. He said, every time the gospel's proclaimed, everybody will, say, will tell this story. So there was something that touched the Lord there. There were also other points in scripture, if you can remember, that God was moved. And they're all associated around this one word. I'll get there in a second. But the woman with the blood hemorrhage who searched herself through the crowd to touch Jesus' hem of the garment, right? The centurion man who had uh, his servant at home who was sick. Actually, I think he was dying. And he said, the Lord, if you just say that he's well, you don't even have to step foot in my house. He'll be whole. Right. There's many there's many moments of this. Rahab, who was a prostitute. Rahab had no nothing, was a prostitute, was ended up being used by the Lord to save some spies and to save her family. Right. The Lord does this. And it says in all of these accounts, God was moved by their faith, by their faith, move God. Faith is what helps you to remain in position. Faith is what helps you to remain in posture to service the Lord. And faith is the currency. Faith is what we could use to say, God, we believe in you. We believe what you have spoken. And you know what the Lord says when he sees faith? He says, Stephanie, Stephanie. He says, Justin, Justin, here I am. Here I am. All he's looking for you to do is just to turn your face. All he's looking for you to do is just to, it's just slight turn. All you got to do is just move your eyes. You may not have strength in your body. You may be tired. He's not looking for you to move mountains. He's just saying, turn towards me this morning. It's that simple. It's that easy. And so here's the point. When we connect ourselves to the magnitude and the personhood of God and we believe in him, it moves him. The powerful thing 
The most powerful thing you can provide in relationship is not just your love, but your trust. But your trust. But your trust. I want to give you an example of this in my own personal life. Uh, 2013, I was in Houston, and I was working at this church. Y'all, I was doing everything. I was cleaning the toilets. I was doing parking lot ministry. I was serving the kids. I was preaching. And I was like, man, the Lord must be pleased with me, right? I'm, I'm a good Christian. But you know what was happening on the inside? I was dead. I'm going to be honest. I was dead as a doorknob. And I had thought that because of my activities, the Lord somehow would be pleased with my service. I had thought that somehow I could bargain my way into heaven by doing these good things. Let's not be fooled. We cannot bargain. We cannot fool the Lord. We can fool one another, but he sees all. And I had to get real with myself and I had to pause. I, I remember I was getting ready to graduate college and I said, things aren't right. I need to turn to the Lord. And so I took a couple of months. And I decided to fast. And all fasting is, is fasting is a decisive decision to say, I'm going to turn off my appetite to the world in effort to turn up my appetite for you, for you, Lord. And so I decided to fast. And y'all, the first two weeks, guess what happened? Nothing. It was horrible. <laughs> I was hungry and I was upset and I still was doing all these things. But what started to transpire as I stayed in that position is I believe, God, you have something for me. I had faith. Lord, you've called me to this fast. You've called me to this moment in time for me to turn towards you. The Lord started to open up my heart again. And then I started to feel again. Remember when you used to used to used to hate your sin? You remember when you used to weep over your sin? over your condition, right? The Lord started to do that thing in my heart. You know, a lot of us old believers, we feel that uh, we don't have to weep anymore. We won't weep anymore, but God can still tenderize your heart. And I started to weep over my sin again. And then I started to have vision for what the Lord wanted to do in my life. You know, I had a speech impediment when I was young. And I was always terrified to speak in front of people. So what I'm doing right now, I, was like, I would never in imagine years have ever imagined I would be on a stage doing anything. And the Lord told me during that time I was fasting, he said, Matt, I'm going to use you to be a voice to the nations. And there was two things I could have done in that moment. The first thing I could have done is say, Lord, you're crazy. How? I got the speech impediment. I sound like I'm rapping every time I talk, blah, 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 you know. But he said, no, I'm going to use you. And so I decided to take him at his word. And then I never forget. It was actually two weeks from that day on a Sunday night. I was at this church in Texas and the pastor calls me up out of the crowd. He says, you're going to preach tonight. Never preached before in my life. I couldn't string any scripture together. And I got up. I said, okay, fine. Lord, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And I remember I got up on that stage in that moment. And I'll never forget. It felt as if the Holy Spirit was moving through me. And I was sitting back watching. It was the coolest thing I've ever experienced. And I never would have ever experienced that moment if I didn't position myself. If I didn't believe God at his word. A lot of you have destiny that God has stored up for you. He's already appointed your race. He already knows your name. He knows your zip code. He knows everything that you have gone through. And he knows what he's calling you to. My encouragement to you this morning is take him at his word. He's not done with you this morning. Some of you have destiny that God is just waiting. He's saying, if you just turn to me, Joshua, I'm going to use you. I'm going to, I'm going to deploy you out to the nations. But we need to get back into the place of believing God for who he is and the things that he says that he can do. He has it for you this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Is this good? How you doing? Good. Good. Amen. So going back to this, these key points here, fixation. Fixating our eyes on the Lord will help us realign ourselves with what God wants to do. The second point is, sometimes in life, a lack of fixation will lead to us becoming disgruntled and blaming external factors. It's my wife. It's my husband. It's my job. When ultimately, Matthew 6.33 employs us to seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added into us. So as we fixate ourselves on the Lord, the very things that you're worried, that you're concerned about, God already has them. The third thing is, God has a place for you. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. He has a destiny for you. He has a calling for you. He has, he has a, 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 a spouse for you. He has all, everything that he's already kind of pre-fashioned your life with. He has it for you. And what he's looking for is just a simple turn of us to return. So I want to do something right now. I actually want us to prepare our hearts. And I actually want us to turn. I'm not going to turn for you. I can't do that. This is only something that you can do before the Lord. And so I want us just to bow our heads for a moment. And I want us to deal with the Lord. I believe some of us in here have places in our heart that we have not turned to the Lord in. And I believe that God is putting his finger on certain areas for us this morning. And he's saying, I want to see that. Don't close the room to me for that. He's saying, open the door. Let me come in. Let me heal it. Let me touch it. Don't try to hide it under busyness. Don't try to hide it under your own perfection. He's saying, let me come in and touch it so I can show you who I am and I can show you more, more so who you are. And so I want us to just ask the Holy Spirit, if you just even put your hands out in front of you. And the reason why we put our hands out is it's almost like we're receiving a gift. And Lord, we just ask you, God, we come before you this morning and we say, Father, if there's any place within us that we have not seen you rightly, that we have not positioned ourselves in, God, we say realign us this morning, God. Only you, only you and the Lord know these places. So, Father, we just even turn, God, we turn our head this morning towards you. And we position ourselves at your feet, similar to Mary. And we say, fill us again, God.